I've seen somebody else in my neighborhood. Appreciates the puffer coats. Looks like she got the same color as me. It's a champagne. I believe it's, what is it called? Champagne? Champagne color. It's warm, isn't it? It's probably not the same. Not the same brand, but... You know, I'm not one of those women who are like, Oh my God, they're copying me. No, if I like something somebody's wearing, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> That's just how I am. <laughs> I mean, share the love. You know, share the knowledge. But it uh, looks good on her too. I like puffer coats. It keeps her warm, especially in the winter. But uh, a friend of mine got mine. It's different than what I saw in even my head. Like puffer coat. Same color. I just think the color looks good on women. You know, it's neutral too. It's like champagne browns out it is. Champagne. A friend of mine bought me mine for my birthday and uh, he lives down in Tennessee. Uh, I can't wait. He's coming back in town for Christmas and that. I'm like, you know, we've been, as he calls it, it was funny because we both say Honest Abe. We've both just been getting to know each other and I've slowly let my guards down and it's interesting how some parts of his life are just like a mirror image of what I've experienced. Um, he's had cancer running his family on his dad's side. And with his dad's side, it's mostly, as he said, due to his smoking cigars, you know, and lung cancer. Um, as he said, it's not like, you know, they didn't take part in it, but it's still, you don't want to see somebody struggle. And as he said, they drown in their own fluid when they pass. And as I said, it was horrible to watch. But um, as he said, you know, I had issues too where family should have been as supportive and supporting, and instead they wasted time and energy just arguing and just finding reason not to help one another out. And uh, as I said, it caused a lot of tiffs and rifts. You have to be honest with people, you know. And I'm not saying right away, you don't have to give your full story, your whole backstory at once. But I'm doing what I'm told and for therapy, I'm taking your time and slowly letting your guards down. And uh, that's what you got to do, you know, when you meet new people. And eventually, if the right people and it's, the right, it's your right person, right kind of people, you know, you let your guards down and start sharing your backstory. But uh, talking to them earlier, and they're like, you know, I just got to say something to you. So I don't know if you've realized this, because I haven't really heard you talk about it, unless you have a podcast. And uh, used to be such a quiet area, I first moved to this area. You know, when you have days, you just want some peace and calm. Try to take a walk, and you got a plane going over here. You got 50,000 ambulance, fire departments. Just not in the mood anymore. I'm just not in the mood. I'm not. Not in the mood. He said peace and calm. Somebody had a free island to take care of. And peopleless, I would raise my hand and say, yes, I need that for a year. At least a year. I'm sorry, I just went there. <laughs> it did. But um, he's like, I'm with your podcast. Like, I don't know if you realize this because you haven't said anything. But do you realize that you're finishing up? Because we talk about my treatment in oncology and that. And he said, you're finishing up the last couple of weeks of your treatment. Can't these people respect you? Can't the same circle and people within the bloodline respect what you're going through? Because didn't you go through the same thing when you went through initially going through oncology treatments? Wasn't it the same thing? You couldn't even focus on saving your life or extending your life. And it was the same disrespect. <sighs> I had a literally, so I was like, you know what? I, 
The harassment and the continuation of the same behavior for therapists is called a behavior. It's a pattern of behavior. It's inappropriate. It's not respectful at all. And it shows somebody I don't care. Because there's no care in the behavior or what they're doing. Or whoever's doing it. Down in the last two weeks, it is you is the title that you hold to me. I'm down the last two weeks and you call today. An inquisitive call. Not, hey, listen. Uh, so and so's coming out right now. We're going to get this situated. And instead, it's like a... Was it braiding? Braiding? I'm sorry, my mind's got a lot of things going on. Phone call. Do you think you would want to have the same behavior? Because it's a behavior. It's just going to go as a therapist's behavior. Would you want me to do that to you? When you're going through oncology treatments, you ever have to do it? I mean, because cancer runs on both sides of my family. Would anybody want to have to go through the berating and harassment, belittling, and just the ice picking? It's just, it's a behavior of disrespect. Would you want me to do that to you? Would you want to experience that? You're doing it twice now. And a friend of mine brought in my attention today on the phone. This is twice now. You realize that, right? There was no respect six years ago, and there's none now. Like, you're not even able to focus the last two weeks. What do you think that treatment drug, per oncologist, and they know from having cancer in the family, lung cancer, it's not the same because every cancer is different. But as they said, you can't go through all that stress when you're on treatment drugs. Do you tell your oncologist who's doing all this stress and causing these problems and what's really going on? I told him, yeah. I have an e-visit next week. And she documents everything. Who's doing what? Who's causing what? And then I let those that be with disability know as well. Because I'm not going to tolerate it. But I realized, yeah, once again, I have to redirect my focus on dealing with the silly, silly, petty, disrespectful behavior. It's harassing. It's bullying. I don't know how else to slice and dice is the truth. But I realized, yeah, once again, here we go again. Would that be okay? We had to protect this person when they went through their surgery and their treatments. Nobody was allowed to bother them. No, oh my God, everybody had to walk on feathers. They demand respect. Don't, but no, 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 they're sleeping. No, 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 no. To the person that we gave you respect, do you see my point? Oh, that's right, you don't listen to podcasts. You just listen to what people tell you, what they interpretate, interpretate, interpret whatever the hell. I said, I just got a lot on my mind of what they believe, which is not the truth. So you're not really understanding the podcast. Let's just get this fact straight because you're not listening to it. You're just hearing whatever the person tells you or people. I mean, if you listen to the podcast yourself, but you were respected. Everybody had to respect you, but nobody respects me when I'm going through oncology treatments. That's a problem. And that's where I, like I said before, I'm done with it. If you can't give me respect, you get the hell out of my life and stay the hell out. I don't care how you're connected to me. Because you're not going to respect me, don't expect. I'm not going to stand around and put up with it. But I realized instead, you know, you're dealing with the same thing. It's the same circle. They don't. There's no respect. There's no love. They're just waiting for the shoe to drop and me to die. Oh, she's dead. We don't have to put up with it. God, she lived again. She's not dead yet. She's dead. We don't have to put up with it. God, I can't wait for her to die. <laughs> she died. Oh, thank God. I'm sorry I'm tired of my opinion, and it sounds downright cruel, but this is what I'm experiencing. I'm the one receiving it, the behavior. 
It's not okay. It's not how you treat people, especially going through treatments. But to answer my friend's question, I think it's important for people, I don't care what kind of treatments you're going through, whether in hospital or at home treatment. Don't let nobody stress you the hell out when you go through treatments. Because I dealt with some serious stress the first time. Documented stress. And people's words documented, typed out. It's your words, not mine. It doesn't show as a therapist, so there's no support. There's no love. It's like dealing with the mob or the mafia. That's what that looks like on paper. It doesn't look like somebody cares anything about you. That's a person who hates you. They're trying to just whatever. <laughs> Sorry. It's a therapist and psychiatrist, hospital psychiatrist, oncologist connected. That's their opinion. And they hold a degree, not you. It doesn't look good at all. But I realized it was the same pattern again. Just not as bad. Because I'm calling the person out. And especially on the phone when they're acting a certain way. And I'm like, why are you acting like this? They hang up. I had a therapist tell me too. You need to address this issue with a family member. Someone in the bloodline you need to address this issue with. And the importance because this closure is for peace for you. This doesn't mean you have to forgive them because I don't. Okay, for not being there for you. When they should have of anybody, these two should have. They weren't. Just excuses, as he said, excuses. But you have to have closure and peace, and you have to tell them, hey, listen, you hurt me. And you're allowed to express your hurt of how hurtful they were towards you because I'm still with oncology, so I'm reminded still. It's not something that goes away. I'm taking it to heaven. I don't forgive you. I forgive any of you. I'll never forgive you. But I forgive myself. Because I'm making peace with myself with a therapist. And that's, folks, is called healthy. Is taking it by the reins and getting the therapy to help you need to make peace and have closure. But peace. Peace and calm. Not working on. But I did as a therapist. I need to call the individual and you need to tell them, hey, listen, you know what? I was there for you, but you weren't there for me. And I want to tell you how hurtful that was and how disappointed I was. And how many times I sat there and I thought every time I came out, maybe you'll be there. Maybe you'll be there. Maybe you'll be there. Maybe you all will be there. And you never were there. And the emptiness I felt, I got E. coli. That's right, folks. I got E. coli, things that you don't normally get in the United States. I got E. coli, and how I got E. coli was very, very, I mean, it was easy to figure out. Because these individuals were never there, and I waited and waited and waited for them to be there, and it was only one person there. It was Eric. And uh, Eric called one of the individuals, told him where I was at, and they made a conscious choice not to be there. Phone records prove it. It wasn't a lie. Eric was lying about that. Now, here's the thing, is I always gave up. There was rooms, and I had it in the hospital treatment, their oncology, and there's rooms for patients to recover. And I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again for the folks in the back that don't hear me loud enough. And for, for all of you who weren't there for me, there was rooms, and this is the truth, so help me God on my last dying breath. There was rooms for the patients afterwards and treatments of radiation and chemo and that. Now, everybody is entitled to have a room to recover. You can get your, collect your bearings before you walk out. Because you feel pretty damn, I don't say pretty damn sick, you feel like hell. Okay? And I was maxing stuff out, so I was feeling double hell. Um, this is the truth, and I said a puke pen next to me. And it was from the half of the treatments and the end of the treatment, because I was so damn sick. And um, I always gave my room up. My resting room, post-treatment room. So I gave them up to other people, because other people have family there. And Eric saw it. There was board games, card games, things for family to, you know, a small little 
I would call it like a breakfast, lunch, slash coffee and Danish and things like that area for family members and loved ones to uh, you know, have coffee, get something to eat while the patient's back there. And during recovery after post, you know, post-treatment recovery, the family and loved ones are allowed to go back into the room and sit with the patient. I never had anybody. And I never used the room. I was taken to the room the first time and I looked and I remembered there was a lot of people standing in the hallway because obviously they have so many treatment rooms. And I said, just go ahead and give it to them. Let them, are you sure? Are you sure, Kimberly? Is you're entitled to rest. You need to rest. No, I'll be all right. You sure? No, I'll be all right. I'll just go downstairs in the waiting room or something in the hospital. You know. This is the truth. I gave up my treatment room every single time to the people I have family and loved ones there for them. Because I didn't. That was hard. I'm never going to get over it. And I shouldn't have to, and I'm not going to. Because that hurt. It's like a knife, and the knife never gets removed. It stays in you. Cuts. Constantly cuts. The rest of your life. And I'm not the only one that felt like that. That was somebody else. They expected someone to be there for them, and they weren't there. It's not the first rodeo. And it won't be the last. Like I said, it'll continue on and on and on. Because it's a behavior for therapists, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I went to the bathroom and I had to go to the bathroom because I was so sick and I needed to vomit. I didn't want to vomit in the treatment area. I could have turned around and took like 50 feet, went back in, but you got to remember these are cancer patients going through treatment. These people are pretty damn sick. Not pretty damn, they're sick going through treatments. I didn't want to puke and then I had to go through the treatment area to get to the bathroom. So I chose this bathroom where I turned on the light. There was, and I'm not joking, diarrhea and somebody had got sick in there, but at this point I could not not. I was as careful as I told my oncologist because I had to say oncologist because I had a massive E. coli and I had to be on some serious fast drugs. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Eric vouched for this. I'm not joking. Remember the first thing I called said, how in the heck did you get this? I explained. I said, so you did not stay in the treatment room? She said, no. No, I always give them up. I remember her looking at me and going... Well, thank you for doing that. You know, you got E. coli and uh, mass infection, and you can only get it certain ways. So in this bathroom, I didn't have a choice. There was diarrhea and puke and everything. It was right, same floor, you know, right down the hallway from oncology treatment. And I had to still go in there. I was as careful as I could be. I, you know, when you're puking, I don't know how careful. You can't sit there and take 15 minutes to, you know, prep the bathroom, so to speak. But I'm not joking. All it took, as she said, is you just touch feces or something along the lines, which was very easy to do in that bathroom. And um, let's just say without getting gross, is that happened. You know, I put myself at risk. But it's not being trying to get a, 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 a medal of honor or a Nobel Peace Prize. This is being real and true because I'm not, I don't give a damn. You know, I'm being honest because I'm a good person, a good soul. I, knew who, I know who the hell I am and the value that I hold and the people that don't respect me and respect the value and the decency and the kindness and they took advantage of my kindness and my decency and I don't allow it anymore. My damn feet are down on this goddamn ground. But I did that every treatment and Eric knew that and I didn't stay. But that particular day, it didn't take much. That bathroom was, and it would have happened is the person who came out, I knew they were sick and I didn't have a choice. I, said, I remember telling Eric, I gotta go back, I gotta get to the bathroom, I gotta get back. I was so sick. I remember that where I at home, I didn't talk. I was sick. It was kicking my ass. 
But I ended up with E. coli. I ended up with a massive infection. And I'm not joking. It really happened. I had to go back to other oncology uh, facility, which wasn't in the hospital, and get in right away. And uh, you literally, I mean, this is stuff we don't see, but it makes sense. I gave up my right to recover so other people could have their loved ones in there and others with them, their family with them, while they recovered. Because that's what I would want. If somebody's family loved ones weren't there, that's what I would want. I would hope people would show some decency. When you're going through oncology treatments, it's the worst experience. In the, and it's the biggest, as I was told by therapists, it's the most single life event that you don't get a do-over and it's a one-time. That if it changes you, and it should change you for positive, there's some people go through different oncology treatments, and maybe they're just not the big oncology treatments, and they're minor treatments and things. It still doesn't change them. I've seen somebody, I know somebody didn't change them. It doesn't change them, it should change you forever. It should change, evolve, evolve you and change you as a person. And allow you to do some self-reflecting and sit back and get it right. You know, and how we are towards others, especially supporting and being there. But I literally, true story, I got to call it that way. I would never change this thing. I still would give up this treatment rooms. I didn't, I didn't want to meddle, honor, and all the rest of that BS. No, I just did it because it's me. See, people don't really, you listen to some, you know what, out there, of some garbage, okay, from people you don't even know, that are mad at themselves, for therapists, because of how they've treated you, they're mad at themselves, they don't want to take ownership. They don't want to think about it. They want to just want to brush it off and take it to the grave because they don't want any reminders. They don't want to remember how they treated you. They don't want to remember they weren't there for you. They will hang up. They will get out of town. They will go on Mars just evade, avoid you because they don't want to deal with their own behavior that was extremely inappropriate, most importantly, hurtful. Evade, avoid, and run that behavior, all of it, firsthand exactly the truth but really what they need to do for therapists is they need to own up take ownership for their behavior and their decisions because it's a conscious decision of not being of support I don't deserve and I don't want a party and noble peace present that I would hope anybody would do that if you should have these people there and they're not there and you have a capability of a treatment room to recover after your treatments. You ever go through oncology treatments and no matter if it's in hospital, like I went through whatever, they're going to give you a treatment room so you can get your bearings. You know, if you could do it, please do it. I'm not saying I should do this, but for me, that was my way. <laughs> you know, I to think about how to say this. Um. I'm just like, I feel like I'm right there, walk out of treatment. Um, it's my only way I could think of giving back of what I didn't have. Um, I've always been like that. It's like when you deal with not nice behavior for people because it's behavior, I feel like for me, I want to give back to society and people. That's maybe my way of healing this is the only way I could think of um, taking something negative and not having that support each time after treatment and giving back. It just helped me when I was going through a lot of hurt. Uh, that's the best way and the God honest truth. It's the best way to say and explain why I gave up my treatment rooms. And uh, but that's how I got E. coli too.
There's an older gentleman. I remember seeing him in treatment. And uh, he was walking out of the bathroom as I was rushing in. And uh, the only other bathroom was like way on the other end of the hospital on that floor. I wouldn't have made it. I would have puked on the floor. It's a hospital. You try not to do that. Um, but I caught, I got E. coli and a nasty infection that way. That's the truth. It's documented medical records. Um, I would have continued giving up those treatment rooms a million times over. But uh, I was reminded today uh, by a friend that you went through this six years ago. You realize that. You're finishing your last treatment. This is not the same treatment. This is just only to prolong life and to try to stunt some of the cells from the ovarian tumor. To stunt them from growing rapidly and progressing more quickly, more advanced and going outside and, you know, um, but it's really for the cells, for the growth. That's what the drug does. Does it do it? I mean, it's it's a fairly new drug. Um, it's approved by FDA. I have last couple of weeks left. So the person you're calling me and doing all this stuff, I'm asking you for help and everybody else, and you're texting me and, uh -huh, have fun, this is this. Have you really looked at your behavior for therapist? Have you really put your shoes and switched them out and put mine on? Have you done that? Would you be okay if I did that to you? If you're struggling, you think it'd be funny for me to laugh at you? When you're going to treatments, you think it'd be okay for me not to be there and use excuses? It'd be okay just to reject you, eliminate you, abandon you, and just not even pretend like you're already in your mind, I'm already dead? Would it be okay if I did that to you? Because if you say yes, then you just explain your own pro-therapist behavior. If you say no, then why'd you do it? And why you continue doing it? Good question, isn't it? You're doing it. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. No. I had the state ask me a great question. And uh, it was an honest answer. If you had somebody within your family that had cancer and they needed help, would you help them? And I said, like, how I am now with what I'm battling in general. And he said, no, just, would you help them now? I said, yes, I have. I've had somebody. I've had bloodline cancer, yes, yes. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't the spectacular things. I didn't have a fireworks display in that. I didn't have Donald Trump come bring McDonald's to the house and eat with them. <laughs> I hope to God Trump gets back in office, so I gotta say, and I know I'm getting off my political soapbox, but God Lord knows the United States needs help. Yes, I did. I brought video game console, Eric can validate for that, you know, so they had something to do. Um, if I called this house to respect it, are they sleeping? Are they in the room? No, they're in the other room. Okay, well, if they can't, if I can't talk to you or if he's in this room or whatever, then I'll call back there. No, no, no. Is in the bedroom, sleep, whatever. I, I walked on feathers, as I said earlier this podcast, and I respected you. But I'm not getting the same respect back. Now ask yourself if that's okay. Is that fair? Is that fair? Would that be okay if this happened to you? If you say yes, it explains the behavior. And the therapist is right. It's behavior. Definitely behavior. If you say no, then why are you doing it? Why are you continue doing it? Well, that in my last two weeks. Shouldn't you all be of support? Didn't you learn six years ago the first time around? No. Because per therapist, nothing changed. Because they don't care about you. People don't need to say, I don't care. Their actions show it. Believe their actions. 
And I have. But I would never change who I am. I know who the hell I am at the end of the day. And I'm one hell of a person. And most of my life as an empath, which I never knew what empath was until therapy, I put other people first, and that included Eric. And he knows it. And I don't do that anymore. I put me first. For the rest of this life, I come first. Sorry. But uh, I have to do that. It's called self-respect, but most importantly, it's loving myself. So thanks to a friend who uh, called, or as they said, I had that moment of clarity. They call it clarity. <laughs> as they said in their 60s, we call it clarity. What do you guys call it in your 50s? I said, aha moment? I don't know. As they said, clarity is you're going last two weeks to treatment, and here we are. You're dealing with the same thing again. Then why are they doing it? Can't they just be there for you? They don't even call you. Why don't they just have people over to help? You're watching this with your neighbor. Because that's what their dad and their family does. You do for your family. You help them. That's why it saddens you. Because that's normal. What I've seen is not. And what I've dealt with is not. It's not normal. It's not normal. But I got it. I have my aha moment. I got two weeks left. You have no respect to continue calling to berate me and be questionnaire. Uh, this isn't Jeopardy. I'm not going to return your calls and continue doing so. In that case, you have a good Christmas. Because I deserve respect. Wrapped in a bow in a big box. Amen. <laughs>